does that ever affect you in your personal life? What did you just think about? Maybe don't take like all the opinions of the internet. Would you eventually want something different? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why are you doing this? <laughs> It's time to get loud. Welcome back to Loud Talk with Lavi, a podcast where we break down the walls of beauty standards one flaw at a time. I have such a special guest for today, Shelly Najar. Thank you so much for joining me on Loud Talk. Um, I'll give you a minute to introduce yourself. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, so I am a nutrition mindset coach trained as a dietitian. Um, I, I specialize in helping women to develop that healthy and joyful relationship with their food. Uh, so that they can feel that peace and confidence in their bodies and in themselves at any size. I love that. And I'm definitely excited to have you on because I feel like when it comes to nutrition, this is a topic that a lot of people can stay quiet about and it makes sense. You know, it's very complex. And, you know, on this podcast, I want to get loud about these topics and, you know, talk about things that maybe people are a little scared to talk about or, um, don't know where to go for the information. So really excited to have you on and have your expertise um, here on the podcast. So I guess to get started, um, what kind of made you want to go down this career path? Yeah, the career path in general, like as far as nutrition was an eighth grade science fair project. So um, I was just super interested in, in all the things that I was reading about nutrition and uh, the project was about vitamin C in vegetables okay. and whether cooking method affected it. It was very nerdy, but I just really loved learning about something new. And I loved that nutrition was connected to everything else. And so from there, I did a bunch of job shadowing. Um, there was a health, uh, I forget what her actual title was, but she was something like health and wellness, kind of like specialist uh, in the school that I was going to for high school. So mm-hmm. I went, when I went to high school, I job shadowed her. And then she connected me with some dietitians. And like, that was the first time I saw dietetics in general. And um, that kind of put me on that path. But the specific things that I do, I didn't learn like until after I graduated. Right. I see. And um, I guess what challenges have you kind of faced having this career and bringing like where does it mesh with your personal life because I know for myself uh, maybe giving an example will make my question um, more understandable for me like if there's ever a night where let's say I skip my skincare routine or I don't take off my makeup or I pick out my skin it like I have this little voice in the back of my head that's like you're the one who teaches about this so like you should stay on track with you know what you preach and all of that so does that ever affect you, like being a nutritionist? Does that ever affect you in your personal life? Of course. Um, and I think like you and me both, right? The areas that we teach on and help other people through are things that everyone seems to have a lot of opinions on, like yes. opinion, opinion, like capital O opinion. Yes. <laughs> training or no training. Like, oh, everybody has skin, so we must all be experts in skincare. Yes. Everybody eats, so we must all be experts in nutrition. And <laughs> Like, obviously, everybody who does not really get sarcasm, um, that was sarcasm. I don't mean those things. But you, have to, same. you have to state it now on the internet because no one, everyone will take what you say and run with it. I know. I'm like, like, 
at least I'm not like famous or something where you're going to get like little clips and being like, oh, this person said this thing. And you're like, well, obviously that's out of context and she didn't mean it that way, but just in case. Um, so funny. Yeah. So it's just one of those things like you have the things that you actually know and teach. And then you have all the stuff that even a like normal untrained person would also have in their head. Um, because that's just the water we're swimming in. And so that, like, even if you don't agree with it, right, you're still going to get some of that in there. So you have those voices, plus you have the stuff that you actually teach. And I find that I just need a lot of self-compassion. You know, it's just like, I'm doing the best that I can right now, or I'm using, even if sometimes, like, I talk a lot about um, eating for emotional reasons. And sometimes I'm like, okay, yes, I totally am aware that I'm doing this right now. And I don't care. And I see that it's a coping strategy and there could probably be a lot of other more helpful coping strategies. And yet I'm still going to choose to do this for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's my choice. And it's the same choice that I hope to allow other people to have. It's just a lot harder when <laughs> we're in it. And sometimes yeah. it's like, you know, it's just easier to see it in someone else. So, I mean, there have been times when I have coached myself, like by writing it out and been like, okay, this is what I'm experiencing. And I switch. I'm yeah. like, if this was a client telling me these things, like what would my advice be? And I write right. it down. And I'm like, oh, okay. Just to give myself that distance, you know, because yeah. it's so hard otherwise to see that in yourself. Right. It is. And like kind of switching those hats. I know like for myself, um, you know, I preach like being confident in your skin and loving your skin. And when I get like down about myself in my own skin, kind of look at myself and I'm like okay like what are you doing you know like you're teaching other people this so you do as you said you do kind of have to coach yourself and kind of have that conversation with yourself in a way and be like okay what are the coping mechanisms I teach other people let me use those on myself and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't because you do have like that internal battle but kind of going off of that um, something you mentioned there that I definitely wanted to touch on was knowing when you do maybe fall out of like the things that you should be doing right right as you said like emotional eating or as a coping mechanism um i think what a lot of people forget is it's all about like balance and also just knowing when you do fall out of line let's say that it's okay i think that's one thing i always talk about like you know obviously i'm trying to teach people to always have like good skin days and feel really good but i think it's also important to talk about like yeah there will be bad days and there will be days where you break out of that mindset and also just knowing your triggers is really important um i know for me i've had a very i don't want to say like complex experience with food because i don't think me personally i've had like a very negative experience with it i'm very fortunate to have had a very healthy-ish relationship with food as much as we can in today's day but one thing that has really affected me is always having in the back of my mind of like is this going to make me break out you know and it's this like over looming like cloud you know um and just worry and I've gotten to a place where of course not 100% perfect but now I'm more in the mindset that it's like, yeah, if I have a bunch of chocolate this day or go out drinking with my friends or eat a tub of ice cream, I'm going to break out the next day. But knowing that is like better now than like always trying to avoid it. Obviously, I avoid those triggers as much as I can. I avoid dairy as much as I can. But if I want a milkshake one day, then it's like I want that in that moment and I'll deal with the breakouts the next day, you know, type thing. So I wanted to get your opinion on that and kind of what your opinion or suggestions are of when people do kind of fall out of that. Um, what is the best way to not be too hard on yourself and also still get back to your routine the next day? 
Yeah. Oh, wow. There's so much, so many things I want to address in that. Um, let me start with just like the very basic of like the question of uh, the, the last part of the, mm -hmm. the question. So I teach something called intuitive eating and intuitive eating is going, going back to the way we were meant to eat. Like we were born to eat and we learn or unlearn that process of eating and like knowing our signals and all that. We have to relearn it a lot of times um, and reestablish some of those signals. If they've, if we've had an unhealthy relationship with food and we've been ignoring right. them, we have to reestablish them. And so my emphasis is always on using the internal cues rather than the external rules. So because of that, there isn't usually like a falling out of line or falling off the wagon or anything like that, because there's no diet or rules to fall off. You know, yeah. like, I think that's one of the, the initial pieces is like, well, if you didn't have like a way you had to eat, you would never be out of line. Mm -hmm. um, you might be uncomfortable, right? right? There may be physical responses to the things that you eat but it's not like a morally bad thing that right. it's not like you've done box. right like it's not yeah. a failure or yeah or a box that like now you have to put yourself back in um and hide from everybody in the meantime because they know right or they might know yeah and I love that you say that because I think so many people feel so much pressure of like I have to stay, you know, within this this rule set, especially when it comes to food. And then if they do step outside of it, it's like, now I must feel ashamed. I must feel guilty. I'm like the most terrible person ever for like doing this. But I love that you do talk about that because I think, yeah, a lot of people, you know, don't look at like nutrition in that way and do see it as a set of rules. Mm -hmm. And and I think that when we do have those difficult days, whether they're difficult eating days or difficult body days or difficult skin days or whatever it is, that we come at it with a neutral approach rather than like beating ourselves up about whatever is happening and how we're feeling. I mean, going back to, you know, both of us <laughs> were talking about like, sometimes we don't even do the things that we're telling people to do, or we're not right. feeling as positive about our bodies as we hope that other people will that's okay. That's understandable. That's realistic, right? Like yeah, we're not perfect. advocating that not even perfection. We're not advocating that everybody must feel the same emotion about anything consistently yeah. for the rest of their lives. I mean, yeah. it's not linear. Yeah. It like, yeah, it goes up and down every day. No. And I would like to be able to feel like a range of emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I only feel positive about my body, that means I cannot feel negative or you know, uncomfortable in or whatever in my yeah. body, like that is very much like the toxic positivity idea of things. Like For I don't sure. want that. I want like a real relationship with my body. And some yes. days are better than others. And some days are easier than others. And so I'd rather go for neutral, like, hey, I am having a difficult body day or, you know, I am having like my skin or like, I'm just feeling a little like insecure about mm -hmm. something. Okay. Like that's that is happening. I'm experiencing this. Yeah. And at the same time, it doesn't change my identity or my worth or my value. Like, and we can say this about bodies. We can say this about the way we eat, the way we do our skincare, you know, whatever it is. Everything. Like, yeah. It's not something that changes our, our identity and our core worth as a person. Right. Absolutely. And I think that neutral approach is something that nobody talks about because even as like for myself, as someone who you know, tries to spread so much like skin positivity and just like confidence out in, through my social platforms. I do get comments that are like, oh, like, why are you always just so happy, like in your skin? Or I wish I could be as confident as you are every day. And I think the misconception is that 
people don't realize that they do have to be neutral in a lot of these situations because it can definitely be taken to like two extremes right as you said like if you're always just 100% like feeling great about your body you're never gonna look to like let's say try to improve it or be healthier whatever it is right and same with your skin right like I of course try to find methods to better my skin and make it you know like get the acne to go down get the scarring to go down and I can be at that neutral position where it's like hey I don't hate my skin but like I still have goals in mind for it you know and I think you can have that approach at the same time and the neutral approach is definitely something especially when we talked about like falling out of line is great because I think if you are over positive about it that can instill maybe bad habits to be repeated over time but then if you are super negative about it too it's like you're not going to come back from that as easily right so keeping that neutral approach I think is is definitely really important and something that I think a lot of people do miss when body positivity or skin positivity is talked about because it's like we're not looking to have like overall happy all the time positive all the time we're definitely looking for those waves but if those waves can stay relatively a little more positive than negative I think that's the overall goal yeah and then the the idea that it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive with health right like yes you were talking about but I think a lot of people like I want to clarify this because I think a lot of people when we're talking about bodies and looks the look like the visible look of something or a body or the skin or the hair or whatever it is is like our measure of health and that's yes. not true right like you can be healthier and still look many different ways yes. <laughs> and so it doesn't necessarily mean like just because we're feeling good about our bodies we won't pursue health like, absolutely it, we don't have to right it's not mandated either but if we so choose like we can still pursue health without trying to change necessarily our image as the primary goal, right? That's a great point you bring up. And I see this with my skin too. People are always like, your skin is so bad. You probably have like the worst skincare routine. And it's like, it just is baffling to me to hear because it's like, I've studied with this for so long. Like, this is what I like eat, sleep and breathe, you know? And I'm sure like you've kind of seen this in the nutrition space as well. But I've talked about this before, but I feel like when I was like in high school, I was probably like eating the worst, not exercising enough. And like, that was like the skinniest I ever was. And since then I've like definitely put on more weight, but I would say I'm healthier now. And it, it goes to show like that perception of like, people might look at me, you know, a few years ago and be like, oh, she was healthy then. But it's like, I definitely consider myself more healthy now. So that perception is really, really messed up in my opinion. And it's, it's I think hard to break through that because it's been instilled in society for so long but what are your kind of like recommendations for that for like viewers listening or whatever to try to kind of escape that mindset yeah I think first steps is is probably awareness like most people would say right like you have right. to know that there's a problem um or or that there's another possibility not necessarily that there's a problem but you you do have to know that there's something different to try that mm -hmm. is there is an alternative right so that, that means there has to be an awareness of what we're doing. And sometimes we don't even know because it's the water we're swimming in. It's the world we live in, whatever, yeah. you know, way you want to phrase that. It's the same idea. Like this is so built in to everything that Absolutely. it's so hard to see. Yeah. Right. So being able to have another alternative, even if you don't like it right away, even if you're like, I would never consider that just the fact that you now know that mm -hmm. there is something different that, you know, that there 
there are some people who would recommend this thing, or there is someone out there who is doing this thing. Maybe you don't feel it's possible for you. Maybe you don't feel like, you know, you even believe it or you'd even want to try, but just that you know that it's out there is the first step if you've never heard about this, right? But I think for your listeners who are probably already a little bit aware of this, I think my my thing would be like, if it's at all like interesting to you to to shift that a little bit because I, you know, your comments, you know, the things that you talk about, the the way that people are interacting with you, I feel like they already do kind of have that desire to to do something different, right? Mm-hmm. Like nobody is happy with the way things are with our beauty standards and all of this. Um, And how closely beauty is, is linked to our perception of health, which again, not true, right? That you start to explore, like to start shifting possibilities, right? So Mm -hmm. you're playing and you're experimenting in that space. You don't have to commit to it. Like for the person who's like, Hey, I wish I could be as positive about this as possible. Wow. You have that desire. Mm-hmm. that's already a first step right yes and then so now okay great you are surrounding yourself with people who who do have that belief more often yeah. you're surrounding yourself with more positive accounts like I know you talked about that um you know things like that like changing the the water a little by little changing your own possibilities not mm-hmm. necessarily the things that you're choosing but just that idea of like it could be possible for someone out there and maybe I would like that And so maybe I'm just going to observe and see how that goes for them. Because the more that we observe someone else having success in that, the more of a possibility it could become for us, even if we don't believe it right now. Mm -hmm. And that's where like coaching and growth and all this stuff like happens over time. Right. But um, I think that that can be a really great step is just like steep yourself in, in this, like in this world that is out there. There are plenty of people who are, you know, making lots of content around this. I think, you know, you, you don't have to sign up with somebody you could, but you don't have to, like, you can just surround yourself with this information and start changing yeah. that idea of like, what's normal. Right. Sure. And, and even that will start shifting. Exactly. Surrounding yourself in it, literally, you know how people even say, like, if you want to learn a new language, the first thing you have to do is like immerse yourself in yes. other people speaking that language. So it goes the same with whatever you're trying to learn in life. Right. And if that is, you know, having a better relationship with food or, being more confident, whatever it is, you just have to put yourself in that environment and slowly over time, it's not going to be easy, but like slowly over time, you're going to like a sponge absorb some of that from, it's going to rub off on you from other people. One thing I did want to kind of talk about is your take on, I guess, typical like diet structures, diet cultures, and how I know you talk about going away from that restrictiveness and that feeling of like shame so what are your opinions on like a lot of traditional like diet cultures um I think that they're unnecessarily restrictive I think that they build themselves on shame and guilt and and a culture right like they mm-hmm. are a subculture yeah. um like you have you have your norms of stuff to do you have your punishments for the people who who go against those norms whether they mean to or they don't mean to um you have some reinforcements you have like an entirely separate language um you have certain things that that you can access as part of that group and things that you cannot access as part of that group like it is really meeting all the the cultural standards um there are people who will even say it's it meets like uh the standards of being in religion which would explain a lot of like why it is so hard for people who aren't ready to switch right and 
<laughs> it's because you're going against someone's belief system. You're not just going against like their entire culture and all their friends and all this thing that they've known. Um, even if they're so miserable, right? This is their yeah. community. It's all, in but it's also yeah. their beliefs. So yes. just really, really deeply in there, right? right. Um, deeply rooted. Yeah. So I mean, it's just so harmful, um, and it's so sneaky. You know, when we're talking, you mentioned some of the the dietary changes that you make. I also make some. I have. I don't know if you can see it on the video, but I had. I do have some acne that comes up, my hormonal acne. Um, and so like there are things that, that changing what I eat can really help. Yeah. And I think that once you have that, the healthier mindset down, yeah, gentle nutrition practices can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's again, right. When we're saying health is not the same thing as pursuing a certain look or size or shape, but you have to have that mindset down first, or it just becomes another diet, right? Like no matter how gentle Absolutely. you try to approach it, it's just another diet. If yeah. you don't have your mind in the right spot, it's like a so fine think, line. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like so hard to really filter that out. If you're not switching your community that you're in, right. Because right. you just be like this one little fish trying to swim the other direction and that's lonely and it's hard. And I mean, it's tiring, you know, it's like mm-hmm. everything is, is against that. Um, because it's so like diet culture is just so strong and it's so strongly connected to so many other things in life. Like when you think about how many, like, if you think about new year's or when people talk about habits or when they talk about behavior change, what are their like top examples, changing your diet, changing your shape, changing whatever, right. That's like always, always, always. Yeah. You can go to like, I don't know, some random industry thing. And they'll still pull an example about weight loss. And you're like, why? Why is this such a thing? Mm-hmm. But it's because it's so well-known. It's so integrated into our culture, this pursuit of, of something that we also understand is somewhat unattainable, which is so, like, it just blows my mind. Like, okay, yeah. we're willing to put so much energy and money and effort and, like, drama around this. And for what? And, like, nothing, right? Like, it's just, yeah, it's oh, so hard. Sure. And then it becomes like this obsession and compulsion and it's just not a good situation. Obsession is a great, great way to put it because you do become obsessed with this like unattainable standard maybe and it takes over your whole mind, your whole like life and it can become, I mean, it can go bad really quickly, right? Um, And I think one thing that you talk about is how these typical like diet or diet cultures really just set you up for failure. Do you want to touch on that for a bit? Yeah. I mean, I mean, even if you think about it just in your own personal life, not, not you, but listeners, mm-hmm. if you are the, the average person and you've tried some way of manipulating your body, if you've tried it more than once, you have to ask yourself, why is that? <laughs> because if it worked the first time, you wouldn't have to try it more than once, <laughs> right? If it worked the first time, you would still be on it. But the thing is, it didn't work the first time, at least not long term, Mm -hmm. or it did. And then you decided to do something else because you were happy with where you were. And then things changed and now you're not. So you have to try again. And even if you try the same one, it doesn't work the same way anymore Mm -hmm. because your body adapts and it just will start to fight back. And the the whole purpose is self-preservation, right? So if we're doing something that equates it to being in a famine, even if we're like, oh yeah, we're feeding ourselves, we are meeting all our numbers and all that. I don't want to specify numbers here, but if we're like, you know, trying to do what diet culture says is not a diet, it's just a wellness plan or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever thing it is, eventually that will feel like a diet and your body will spawn like it's on a diet. And because of that, you will start to have problems 
with your eating. It starts to distance yourself from all the internal cues. You're overriding them. You're learning weird, weird thoughts around your food, weird mm -hmm. emotions around your food, weird rules around your food and eating and all this. Um, and you start to see like cutting yourself out of social activities or like putting a damper on them because you're constantly thinking about food. And when you wake up, is your, is your day, you know, is your mood and your day determined by numbers on the scale or how good you did this or that, or how you're feeling or, or what you're able to eat or not eat and all mm. these things, right? Like it just interferes with life. It sucks out so much energy, yeah. attention and time. And when you think about how much, like we have some statistics around how diets and not even like being on a structured diet, like, oh, I'm following a specific diet with a name, right? Like even just trying to modify your, your diet, your, your eating plan, if you're doing it for the purposes of losing weight or changing your shape or your size, even if it works in the short run, over time, it's, it's not going to work. Over time, you're going to gain that weight back. I think it's like 90 something percent of people who mm -hmm. lose weight will gain it back. Yeah. And then in when you're looking at how many people actually gain even more weight more, back, yeah. which isn't a bad thing, right? Like this is a neutral thing. This is just a descriptor of like bodies, like mm -hmm. saying someone's really tall and then they got taller, like, okay, yeah, exactly. someone's big and they got bigger. It, it's yeah. fine. But when you think about the, the reason why people are doing this, like this is a pretty sobering statistic, I think it's like when we're chasing this thing that is not attainable, it's just like really ridiculous and sad. And I'm not faulting the people who are doing this. I, I think the blame a lot of times is actually with the people who are pushing this really hard. Right. Um, unfortunately, some of the healthcare system, you know, society at large, our beauty standards, all of this, mm -hmm. like, it's just something that we've learned is the responsible thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I mean, who doesn't want to feel like a responsible, disciplined person who eats well and feels healthy and all of these things, right? So it's not like, you know, anybody listening to this, if this is where you are right now, this is not like your fault for being in the situation right and this is not something where your body's broken and everybody else can do it better yeah. no you are in the majority here right only yeah. less than 10 percent of humans worldwide will be able to do this uh successfully mm -hmm. and there is even some thoughts around like what is that and why is that um it's like not what metrics say, what metrics yeah yeah it's not make it say, successful like, oh, i need to be the 10 percent. like that's yeah, not what i'm no. saying here i'm saying like this is a ridiculous goal for us as yes. humans. Absolutely. And, you know, like, I think eating good and eating healthy is so difficult. Like, I moved out of my parents' house last year, and uh, that was definitely something, you know, I knew that it would be, like, harder, right? Like, making my own meals and stuff. But, one, when I was like, hey, I'm trying to eat healthy, healthy I'm like, one, this is, like, so expensive, you know, to, like, eat healthy. And... Two, I feel like so much of like the food, at least like in North America, is like so unhealthy even if you like try to make healthy. So I really struggled with that. And then I was trying to like, you know, figure out things that maybe like triggered my hormonal acne and stuff. So then I'm like, okay, I'm cutting this out, this out, this, and then I'm like, okay, what is there left for me to even make a meal out of? And then it's like, okay, I have to make three meals a day. Like, what is this, you know? So it's definitely very like exhausting. And I wouldn't say I was at a point where I I woke up or as I progressed throughout my day, all I thought about was food, but it was definitely something in the back of my mind that was like, 
this is a bit of a struggle. And I think it's hard to like always just try to stick to that discipline of like eating perfect like every single day and like what does that even like exactly mean because I think it's just so complex um, in terms of like what's categorized as good food and what's categorized as bad food and I think any person you talk to will tell you completely different things you know yeah and it's so confusing right so that's why I tell people like one of the biggest appeals to intuitive eating is that it's based on you and so you and your body know what you need Mm -hmm. because years and years and years we didn't have nutrition science to tell us what had more vitamins than the other thing right like we just knew that we were alive and we stayed alive and that was great and this thing gave us energy and this thing didn't feel so good and that thing made someone sick so let's not eat that one you know things like that like we just figured it out and it was fine right like humans survived and thrived (laughs) and I think that going back to that it just makes it like way simpler right like yes we have a lot of food we have a lot of food options that's great It's very convenient, right? I don't Mm. think that there's anything wrong with using some of our convenient options, Um, especially when we're talking about like neurodivergence or I specialize in in helping women with a lot going on. So there's a lot of times that we need shortcuts and we need, whether that's like food shortcuts or Mm -hmm. like how-to shortcuts, like, you know, in the actual, like, how do I prepare the food or like plan the food or whatever? We just need those shortcuts because life is busy and crazy and- People have complicated food so much that we just really need it to be uncomplicated. Yeah, and just simple it down. And I think for myself, like I, one thing I really struggle with is like finding the time to like prep meals and stuff. And I do tend to like kind of fall back on ordering food just because like I work so much. I like have two jobs and I'm still in school. So for me, sometimes food isn't like my top priority. I try to still eat good with like what I order or whatever, but I can't say I like devote a lot of time to like, okay, this is what I'm going to eat and like planning that out. And it's, it's definitely tough to make that like a top priority, especially like if you have a lot going on, you have a family, like prepping that for like multiple people, like it's, it's a lot. And especially do that every single day. It's like, it's definitely stressful. Yeah, it is. And there's, there's like really solid tips that can help. Right. But if we're so focused on like, it has to be a certain way, then that's very limiting in in terms of what tips we're willing to consider. Right. Right. So I think that even in that, like, yes, it's good to be fed, right? Like that's where Mm -hmm. I always start with is like, yay, you fed yourself, right? Like you survived another day and you fed yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Great. That's the first step, right? That's like, like the bare minimum, you put something in your body. Congratulations. Right. Yeah. You were surviving as a human being. Um, And of course, most people I feel like would want more right but some days like that's all you got like that's good enough exactly you're gonna have those good days and bad days I guess kind of shifting a little bit something I definitely want to talk about and I think that something a lot of people maybe struggle with or just you know have this like ongoing battle with this cravings and what are your opinions on that how do you kind of advise people to go about their cravings and do you have any tips on like I guess I know we keep talking about like taking down those boundaries, but are there any tips you have on like maintaining maybe like a softer boundary when it comes to cravings? Yeah, you know, the most common thing I see with cravings, and this is something that's not just in my um, professional practice, but also when I talk to colleagues and in behavioral science in general, Mm -hmm. the more that we say we can't have something, the more that we want it, right? So even if you think that 
oh yeah, I can have all foods, all foods fit, everything in moderation, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's let's go with that because I hear mm-hmm. this one a lot. I believe in all foods, everything fits, everything in moderation. Okay, fantastic. I'm struggling though. I have such a sweet tooth. I have such big cravings, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's literally me. Hey. I have the worst sweet yeah. tooth of life. So, so here's the thing. First, we'll start off with one, there's nothing wrong with having a sweet tooth. There's nothing wrong with sweets. Two, if that's, well, okay. In any of these things that are super controversial, I think for some people, when they're hearing this, like, feel free to reach out to me. I'm mm-hmm. happy to discuss more or like get in a debate with you or whatever, because like, you're, you're welcome to disagree with me. Um, and there's plenty of professions who disagree with me. There's plenty of dietitians who disagree with me. Mm-hmm. There's, I've talked to many, many people who just like in general disagree with me. That's fine. Here's a, here's a quick thing though. If I tell you, don't think about your phone, what did you just think about? Your phone. Your phone. Were you thinking about it prior to me telling you not to think about it? So here's what I did. I just set you up to fail because in order to, to do what I asked you to not think about your phone, you'd have to expend so much extra energy when you didn't have to do that anyway. And you weren't doing it anyway, prior to start, but I created this rule that now makes it off limits. And now you are thinking about it, but now you're failing. So then you have to do something to fix that feeling. And then here we have just like, yeah, yeah, an ongoing like, right. circle. So it's the same thing. Like that by itself will cut out a lot of the problem that people have with cravings, mm. right? I'm not saying the cravings will go away. Like there right. are things, like I like to think of it as kind of multifactorial. So that by itself is number one, because it's like the low hanging fruit. If you think it's off limits, it will be off limits. It will mm-hmm. create this big drama. You want it more. Okay. So if we truly give ourselves unconditional permission to eat all foods at all times and all amounts, which is super scary, I know, especially if you're not used to hearing this, mm-hmm. um, because the fear then automatically goes to, but I would eat forever in large amounts where I yes. feel so sick, whatever the thing is I'm craving, right? Yeah. And you might, right? You might do that for several weeks even. But even just now, put yourself in that position several weeks into the future where you've eaten all the sweets that you could possibly eat and you really enjoyed them, would you eventually want something different? Yeah. Okay. So you already know, in you, you already know that your body would naturally come around right. to balancing that out, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you get sick of something, yeah. like, so quickly. It can definitely take over your mind of just, like, when you're told, yeah, not when you're told, like, don't think about this, don't do this. It's, like, even when you're, like, a kid especially, right? Like, your parents tell you, don't push that button, don't, like spill over you know don't do whatever it is and what are you gonna do you're gonna do it because you you know you're like testing the waters like how much trouble can I get into if I do this right and it's the exact same thing but I think some things that and I'm not saying like this works for everyone I think that's also a thing people don't realize is like everybody is so different what works for you won't work for me and whatever else so knowing that is super important but for me personally like funny enough like actually working out um when I was working out a lot I had like no sweet cravings it was so strange and like I have the biggest sweet tooth ever oh I remember what I was talking about um so I was saying because you were saying that you're gonna get sick of something yes so my dad would always do the grocery shopping in our house and whatever me and my brother's fix was that week let's say like a snack like gushers let's say right so we were like obsessed with gushers or whatever it was and we would tell him, like, we love this snack. Like, keep getting this snack. It's so good. So, of course, then the Gushers would, like, go on sale and he'd be like, oh, perfect. The kids love these. And he'd buy, like, 10,000 boxes of them, right? He'd bring them home and by that time, we were sick of them. So, like, a week later, he'd be like, kids, like, you told me you loved this one snack 
and now they've all gone bad in the like pantry what's going on and we'd be like oh we're not really into gushers anymore we like this snack now (laughs) so it's like that made me think of that because it definitely goes show like you're gonna get sick of something really fast if you keep eating it every single day and so on and so forth yeah and even if you don't get to the point where you dislike it like I've had clients who I'm thinking of one person she loved mint chocolate chip ice cream and I you know we had talked about this and it was it was the thing that she felt like if I eat this if I give myself permission I would have it forever and I would Mm -hmm. just eat giant tubs of this so she bought it and had it in the house instead of having it like off limits somewhere I can I can eat it whenever but I can only eat it out of the house or whatever Right. So she brought it into the house and it went really fast the first couple of times. And then she tried different flavors and she, nope, she liked this one the best. And she tried different brands and nope, she liked this one the best. Yeah. And so one of the things that she found, like that was just an information gathering, right? It's not a mm. bad thing that we eat something that we're craving. Mm-hmm. Let's look at it again, neutrally, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, this happened. I wonder why that happened. How was that experience for me? Did I even enjoy it? Because sometimes we eat it so fast that we don't even enjoy it. Or we have so much guilt that we're not enjoying it or whatever it is, yeah. right? Like, hey, if you're going to do it, like, slow down, enjoy it. And it's neutral. So yeah. if you don't, like, that's fine. You can just choose something different, right? Like, yeah. now you know. And I think having that option there brings up a great point because when I started living alone, like, I was like, this is great. I can buy, like, whatever foods I want now, blah, blah, Shelly, when I tell you the amount of, like, sweets and, like, let's say, like, junk food that, like, went bad, like, I never ate that I did not touch, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I just didn't eat it. You know, it was there if I wanted it. And, like, yeah, some days maybe, like, I craved, like, some of the chocolate or whatever, and I allowed myself to have some. But it's, like, for the most part, like, I kind of just forgot about it. Well, yeah, and maybe it served a different purpose, right? So, like, that's the other piece I was talking about is, like, it might not be I mean most most of the time there is a component of restriction Mm -hmm. but there's also other things going on most of the time as well (laughs) like Mm -hmm. there's like what if it's just about like this is your way of expressing your independence in this moment or a sense of fun like maybe (laughs) moving is stressful and transitions are hard and you know having something that feels like a safety blanket can be really fun right like hey that's nice it's there if I need it you didn't need it so Mm -hmm. it went bad right like it's there's lots of functions that food can serve and they don't all mm-hmm. have to be physical. And there's lots of reasons that we might have cravings and they don't all have to be physical and they don't like have to carry that weight and the burden of like being mm-hmm. bad and, and all of that. And like, maybe we're just stressed and yeah. like sugar cravings go up when we're stressed. Um, maybe we're hungry because we're not eating enough in general, you know, lots of things, lots of reasons, but it's so fascinating to me when we start getting into like all the details of this yeah we could talk a long time about that no for sure and it's like it's crazy too because I remember when I was doing online school because of COVID and man was I snacking like crazy during that time because I was sitting at home watching lectures online that were like organic chemistry and like these courses that were like I don't know boring at times so what would I do I'd go grab a snack and I like I would be eating and snacking because I was bored not because I was hungry you know, and now, like, because I'm literally out of the house, like, all day long, it's, like, okay, I eat, like, in the morning, I eat at lunch, I eat at dinner, and it's, like, I don't think about snacking, because I'm, like, always, my mind's always busy, you know, and not saying I never snack, like, there's days that are, like, you know, less busy, and then I'm, like, oh, like, I'd like this, or, you know, whatever, maybe I'm just craving it in that moment, but it's interesting how, like, yeah, your environment and what you're doing every day really impacts how you're actually gonna eat, yeah. 
And then just to throw like another random layer into this, it's like sometimes when we are so busy, we don't even check in with ourselves. So we may be hungrier than we think we are. Right. And so there's that balance, right? Between mm -hmm. like not having cravings, but also like, are we ignoring our signals and not having enough food in general? Yeah. And so prioritizing like, like yeah, yeah, taking the time to be like, okay, I've been like working all day. Like, have I taken the time to like, you know, refuel my body? And I think that mindset of like seeing food as like fuel is something that a lot of people have a hard time with I know when I got into like working out I was like I could feel myself getting into that like unhealthy mindset of like oh like I'm not that hungry like maybe I just like won't eat right now you know and then I realized like for my workouts to actually be significant like I need to be eating actually more now than I did before because I'm consuming so much more energy. I need to make sure my protein, like I'm taking in more protein. I need to make sure I'm like just eating more in general. So it's interesting like on that side of things too, like learning that food is fuel and knowing that, you know, what you need in, in certain situations. Yeah, totally. And it changes, right? Like what yeah. you need now may not be the same as what you need later and even Absolutely. from day to day it's like maybe you know on a week yeah you need more than you did like a week a year yeah. ago but day to day in that week like your needs may be different and so it's oh absolutely surprise us like when we're saying like oh my gosh i'm eating so much more than yesterday no okay, for sure you're eating so much more than you like okay well your body tells you too like if you're hungry your body tells you and there's some days where like I swear the hours go by and I'm like, oh, like I don't feel hungry, you know, and it's like it's lunchtime, but I just don't feel that hungry. So maybe I'll get like a smaller lunch that day. But then the next day I'll eat my lunch and I'm like, I feel like I didn't eat anything. Like I'm starved. you know. <laughs> so it's like just listening to yourself, like and listening to your body. And I think I want to kind of drive this into the next topic I want to touch on was I think a huge thing I've learned is how much food actually does affect my body in terms of like what I'm actually eating and um, making sure that I am eating the things that my body needs. Like, for example, a few years ago, I found out like I have like low iron. So like I definitely kind of had to realize, oh, like I could kind of fix this in a way through my eating. Of course, like I, I also started taking like iron supplements and stuff just to really make sure I was getting back on track. But um, similarly to like when I got off birth control and my hormones like went all crazy, I was like, you know what? Through what I'm eating, I can definitely try to also balance my hormones or look at different like foods that may trigger my acne or not um, and stuff like that. So what's kind of like your kind of perspective on that and kind of navigating the world of like knowing what your body needs? Because I, I know it's super complicated and it took me forever to try to, and it's still like I'm still on this journey of trying to figure out what won't trigger my acne and what will, and it changes all the time, but... Yeah, I think it's such a broad question that I am going to give a broad answer. My recommendation would be to work with somebody who actually knows your situation. So if if that's within your budget, right, and, and what you're able to do time-wise and things like that, or, or if you're able to make that work, um, that would be my number one recommendation because then you mm -hmm. get that support, like somebody who knows you and knows what they're talking about rather than just like a bunch of TikTok you know, mm -hmm. like, hey, look, I think I have this problem and I'm looking and I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe, maybe I can do this and this and like piece it all together from you don't know where and like what information they actually have. So well, everyone's so different. Right. And, and you don't know. So I, I think, you know, working with somebody who can take nutrition science, like in general, right? Because yeah. we study populations. We don't study every person individual. Mm -hmm. You are the expert in you. Mm -hmm. I may be the expert in nutrition. And expert in nutrition, but I don't know 
you mm-hmm. and your life and your personality and your, you know, needs and everything exactly, right? Yeah. I can guess based on population level data yeah. and I can see patterns and stuff once we're talking it through, right? Right. But I won't know exactly unless we work together and then you tell me, right? Like Absolutely. that's the only way. Yeah. And I think also like going into it, I would say with maybe low expectations of like this person might not fully understand, you know, it might not be a perfect fit right away. You know, like I know I've had my share experience with doctors who are just like, I've had doctors tell me food has nothing to do with your acne. There's no way that food can cause like your acne to flare up. And I was sitting there like, what? <laughs> you know, I was like, am I hearing this right? You know? So like I've had those experiences where like Accutane was the only thing that was pushed on me. And I was like, are you sure about that? Like there has to be other factors to it. Right. And I, I know there are, I know like everything that your environment, what you put into your body, how much sleep you get, your stress levels, as you said, like it all, it, it's also intertwined and it all plays a role on each other. Um, so it's definitely difficult to pinpoint that, but I think going into it with low expectations of like, I might not find my perfect fit right away, whether that's like with your nutrition plan or the person that you choose to help you out with this. Like, you know, you have to put in the work and it might be a really long road, but just having that goal of like kind of the person you want to find and finding that perfect fit is, is definitely important. It's just like dating, right? Like you're not going to go on the first date and find your perfect match. You have to endure some maybe shitty dates and then <laughs> you might get there. But uh I think it's yeah I think it's definitely that mat like the matchmaking yeah. process because I mean I don't know how many people I've talked to that they were not a, quite a good fit personality or finances or you know approach like to nutrition in general right. or whatever it is and okay I just recommend somebody else and move on right like it's yeah. it's not a big deal like, people aren't going to be mad at you for talking with them and then yeah like, just trying something it, else yeah it didn't work you can let them down easy it's not you it's me <laughs> Um, I guess kind of going on from there, um, I want to ask your opinion on maybe some uh, typical like diet things that are seen. We can kind of go like maybe a little speed round on this, but as a nutritionist, I just want to get your opinion on some of these. In my opinion, maybe some of these like gimmicky diet, I don't even know what to call them, like tips and tricks. I don't know. Hacks, diet hacks. I don't know. All right. Um, oh, I, I get quite worked up about this, so I'll try to keep it like, okay, okay. like <laughs> a, a short snap. Yeah. Okay. First one, um, detox teas or any detox item. Oh man. Again, some people will disagree with me on this, but you have a liver and kidneys and lungs and all sorts of other things. And <laughs> that is why we have those organs. <laughs> like This is part of the detox process that naturally happens in your body. Yeah. They're unnecessary. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. People always tell me like, you need to detox your skin, like, or like, there's the face masks out there that are like detox face mask. And I'm like, what? (laughs) This just doesn't make sense. Like, I think, and that's such a like word that's like used. I think like people are always like, you need to detox your body. And I'm like, from what? (laughs) And like, how are you doing this with like a tea? Like, it doesn't make any sense. But yeah, or like pooping a whole bunch. Like, that's often. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, no shit that like, you weigh less like after or like what after drinking that tea it's like it's just speeding up the process of your body um okay next thing I want to uh ask about is I guess kind of with that like uh, a juice cleanse it's kind of along the same lines but yeah I mean any kind of magical food right like it's I'm not talking about magical fruit like makes you fart although there is some depending on what you're making the juice out of I guess but I think it's like so 
if you love juice, fantastic. Include some juice in your, in your eating. Right. But, um, seeing this as like the only thing you're allowed to eat, Mm -hmm. I mean, that doesn't make sense and it's going to be really hard to keep up. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're going to want to chew. We have teeth for a reason Mm -hmm. and you're probably going to have some GI effects after that. And depending on what you put on the juice, like there could be other issues. So again, unnecessary, unrecommend. Okay, perfect. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> um, I guess next thing I want to talk about is I see this a lot in like, I guess, celebrity, like what I eat in a day or whatever, where some of these people like won't eat until like, let's say like 2 p.m. And until then, they'll only like drink water. And I, I'm not like, I'm not saying that this type of fasting doesn't work for anyone. I just want to know your opinions on it. Yeah. Uh, why are you doing this? Because again, if it's because you want to change your body shape or size, say that's your first thing to address, right? Right. Um, If you're saying it's because you think this is a healthier way of doing things, I would say that the evidence is mixed and possibly against you in that. But Mm -hmm. um, it also teaches you really weird behaviors around your internal signals. So if you are hungry and it's not the right time to eat, uh, you have to override your body in order to tell it and then you are only contained to that amount of time mm-hmm. when you're allowed to eat. And it's, again, it's just a form of restriction, but right. using a clock instead of food rules. Right. And I think, I know, like, my body, like, I, especially, like, when I'm in the same routine every day, it's like, I'm hungry at this hour. Every single day, like, 12 o'clock hits, and it's like, my body's like, it's lunchtime, you know? <laughs> like, it just, that's how it is. And I think, I wanted to ask, like, what is kind of, I don't even want to say, like, the science, but the reasoning behind, like, let's say, why some people would assume that, let's say, eating X amount of calories spread out throughout the whole day versus that same X amount of calories in a smaller window. Like, is there any, like, science behind that being able to, let's say, cause, like, fat loss? Because I know I've seen people online, like, talk about this, and I'm like, I don't know about that. Yeah, so, and this is interesting because it depends on who you're looking at with studied, right? right. For men, that may be so. For women, okay. it's actually possibly detrimental to your health. And I think for humans in general, like when we're trying to restrict like this, like Mm -hmm. it ends up causing some stress and it ends up changing your social schedule and it ends up changing like your work and your energy and all of Mm -hmm. these things. And yes, you may get used to it, but we can also get used to a whole lot of things that are not very helpful for us. Mm -hmm. So just because somebody is used to it and has adjusted doesn't mean that that's a good indicator that it's helpful. There's actually some evidence that shows that if you eat spread out throughout the day that your body is more able to handle like you know the ups and downs of your blood sugar and the digestion and all of this when we eat in large amounts and again this also depends on what you're eating mm-hmm. um when we eat in large amounts at once sometimes that can lead to other issues like indigestion or um again generally right because mm-hmm. i have to summarize <laughs> yeah like, broadly also you're going to have like a, a bigger blood sugar spike which means you'll have to have a larger insulin spike. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're talking about hormone health and things like that, like insulin is one of those hormones and that can also have impacts on our health, right? While there's some mixed evidence for certain conditions and the possibility of intermittent fasting or having like a smaller eating window, mm-hmm. I don't think it's worth the risk of developing some really weird eating behaviors. And going against your natural body's signals that it puts out about when is it healthy and when it, or when is it hungry and when is it not mm-hmm. hungry and you know all these different things like you're teaching yourself to override those signals and then what we tend to do around eating doesn't usually stay around eating right usually mm-hmm. we're 
we're doing that around other things too. So now what other signals are you also trying to override mm-hmm. and try to control where we don't have that control? Interesting. Okay. Yeah, no, that's definitely, a, I think, a good perspective on it. Um, and just going back to, again, those like restrictions and how that can kind of set you up for a sort of uh, failure, for sure. I guess next next thing I want to bring up, again, like a bunch of these like diet things I see on TikTok or whatever. Um, what's your opinion on like keto dieting? Oh, I think it's just another version. It's like a slightly more modern version of like Atkins and stuff like that. Like every once in a while, right, we'll just... It's like fashion, like any trend, right? They come in waves. Yeah. And then we cycle back to something else and give it a new name and tweak it a little <laughs> bit and pull it out of something new. Yeah. It's basically carb reduction. Right. And you're saying like this is now the thing to do. Okay. I don't I don't see it as something drastically new from any of the other things I wouldn't recommend. Right. Got it. Interesting. Very interesting. What's your opinion on like the because I just like know with like my schedule like as I said like sometimes I find it hard to like make sure I one thing I do really well is making sure I drink enough water every day I think I do a good job at that but I know when it comes to like my like fruits and veggies sometimes I don't do as well especially if I'm like grabbing lunch on the go like stuff like that what's your opinion on like um things like athletic greens or like kind of that all-in-one greens supplement yeah you know I think anytime we're talking about supplements supplement safety aside and I'm, I'm not familiar with athletic greens so I'm not going to comment specifically to them and just make that very clear yeah um, just general like those generally yeah. supplements uh to replace food I think when we're looking at that I think it can be helpful as we adjust to finding like I was talking about earlier right when we need help figuring out how do we incorporate these things? Like, great. I think that can be a very helpful tool. Or if we're having a resurgence of some of the more difficult barriers in our lives, like not a lot of time or something, you know, is throwing yeah. us off of our normal schedule or normal coping abilities. Fantastic. That's a great like that thing shortcut to have. kind of. Yeah. Using yeah. those shortcuts okay. when we have them. Right. But to say like, this is completely replacing every aspect of fruits and vegetables. Um, I would probably say most likely not mm-hmm. we don't really know all the benefits of fruits and yeah. vegetables so they still say like it's generally recommended to have them in food form right no I totally agree with that and I I myself like use um, bloom it's it's similar to like athletic greens and I would never you know go online and say this like I'll never eat a fruit again this has replaced that for me completely but especially like I live alone so like buying fruits and veggies a lot of the time they go by bad so fast. I buy a lot of actually frozen fruits and veggies because those I can throw into a smoothie, whatever. I find when I go back to my parents' house, I my mom always loves to cut me up like a plate of fruits because she's obsessed with them. But in like a household like that, like I think it's easier to like, you know, go through them and stuff. But when I live alone, it's like they just go bad so fast. So it's like sometimes I do take those shortcuts um, there for sure. And it does definitely help out when you're in a pinch and when you need it. Um, I guess kind of going off that topic, I did want to ask, what are your tips to like eating healthier without trying so hard? Yeah. The first one is to really become aware that you can have all foods, um, Mm -hmm. in all quantities, like that's okay. And if that feels scary, then the next step would be to really start looking into intuitive eating and, and like do some serious research. There's a, there's a really good book out there called intuitive eating. Um, it's now in its fourth edition. It's by Elise Rush and Evelyn Tribbley. Very good. It walks you through the steps. It gives you a lot of like 
real world examples and personal kind of stories and things like that to help say like, hey, even though you have some fears or doubts or things like that, you can actually still make this work. And here's how it looks in different situations. Um, I think that is like a really key resource. (laughs) And then, you know, just like go for variety, go for satisfaction. We have research that shows that if you eat for satisfaction and satisfaction, the way I describe satisfaction is it's different than pleasure. Pleasure is all about right now, what Mm -hmm. tastes and feels good right now. Satisfaction is now and after you eat. So yeah, more Mm long-term, right? Like how are you going to feel two hours from now after you've eaten? How are you going to feel the next morning? Those kinds of things, right? Like that's a great when you're thinking about it broader. Yes. I think that's a great point because kind of, as you said, like for myself, I, I, I just know, like if I, you know, go like, and I don't know, have like a burger and a milkshake. Like in that moment, I'm like, this is exactly what I was craving. It's like hitting everything I need. It's giving everything it needed to give. But then I know like an hour from now, I'll have the worst stomachache of my life, you know? So it's like, I think that's a great point. As long as you like go into that with those expectations, I think it's fine to still do that every now and then, right? It's the same with like, like if, if you like to drink, like, you know, especially when it comes to like sugary drinks or whatever, you might feel like crap the next day and you just have to like remember that and maybe you know you feel like crap a little too much and then you're like you know what maybe I'm not gonna do that anymore right so it's just finding that that balance which I think is a great thing that you bring up and I I really appreciate that you have that mindset because I don't hear that a lot especially in the like nutrition and kind of diet world it's you don't always hear that it's very like set hard rules and I think that's what makes it so intimidating for a lot of people and kind of that idea of the, like something you can't reach like I I could never get there because it's like it's too hard right when really like if you just simple it down and kind of maybe don't take like all the opinions of the internet you can actually get to a place where you you know are maybe more comfortable with um kind of setting those those goals for yourself I did want to ask I know everyone has like their opinions on this but generally you know like what everyone says it's like drink what is it six to eight cups of water a day um have like one to two cups of fruits and I may be completely wrong on this but this is just like I'm just going based on what I can remember um one to two cups of like fruits and veggies get like at least like what is it like 15 minutes of like exercise each day or four times a week I, I, I don't remember but like what are what are the top things that you think are like pillars I guess in like kind of having a healthier lifestyle, um, similar to kind of some of the things I mentioned there. I think if we add to the things that I was talking about before, right? Eat a variety, eat for satisfaction, Mm -hmm. eat with an all foods fit mentality, move in a way that is enjoyable or Mm -hmm. if it's not enjoyable because some people, they don't actually get very many endorphins from moving. Mm -hmm. Um, so at least not like super detestable, right? Mm -hmm. Something that you could like, you could tolerate, Um, again going for that satisfaction feeling like okay if I can't be like this is amazing and I feel like I'm glowing afterwards then you know why do you not feel like dying afterwards um and like hating your life while you're doing it and that kind of thing (laughs) yeah so so move a little bit and drink some water ideally you know where you feel like you're hydrated Mm -hmm. um you can experiment with the exact amount big secret we don't actually know what the exact amount is um it's been like there's like so many different formulas to calculate it and so many different things and they're all guesses well it just depends on your body too I feel like it depends on your weight and height and and your activity and the temperature and all kinds of your your environment too like I feel like here like 
where I live, I drink so much water purely because it's so dry. And it's like, if I don't drink this much water, like I would turn to a lizard, <laughs> you know? Right, right. So you kind of just know what to do, yeah. like based on your body through experimentation, right? And if you feel stuck, then you get some guidance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sleep, stress management, being social or being connected to some group and having some kind of spiritual practice. Like those are the top things that we know from like many research studies Mm -hmm. are helpful. Um, Exact amounts vary, right? Depending on the person and all that. I wouldn't worry so much, like for the average person, I wouldn't worry so much about exact amounts. What I would look at is saying, which area do I feel like focusing on the Mm -hmm. most right now? Like what's the most appealing to me? Where am I now? And how can I move just a little bit closer to where I want to be? That's a great point. And I think it's so interesting too that you bring up points of like sleep and stress management because people forget about how much that can actually impact not only your health, obviously, but even like your eating habits or other parts of your life, your productivity, your mood, all these things, because it's all so like interconnected, as I said previously. And even like look at sleep, right? Like everyone says like, make sure you're getting about eight hours of sleep for myself like I typically need it's interesting because I feel like I can feel super awake with seven hours of sleep like exactly seven hours and I'm like ready to go but later in the day I might like start to feel a little tired if I get like nine hours of sleep I typically don't wake up feeling as like ready to go but I feel like less tired throughout the day so it's like it's so interesting and that varies some days like I'm good to function off like seven hours or less and other days I'm like I need like a long ass like 10 hours sleep tonight you know um whereas I have some friends like I have this one friend who consistently she gets like six hours sleep a night and she's like that just is what works for me you know so I don't know it's just so interesting too like obviously there's going to be like averages and what's kind of like recommended but it just so depends on you and what works for you right taking that population level data and changing it to the personal yeah right. personal application because like I shouldn't feel ashamed for like wanting to sleep more than eight hours a night it's like this is what my body needs I like my body is telling me you feel tired that means I need more than eight hours even though like society tells me oh you should be completely fine to function off of eight you know so I think that's sometimes what people have a hard time with is like stepping away from what you know is kind of put on them by society and like these standards of like this is what you should be doing and if you're not doing this, you're wrong. That's and like, if it changes from day to day, it's wrong. Yes. It has to be constant. Yeah. All throughout. <laughs> you are not allowed to be a human. You have no. to be a robot. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's that's totally it. Uh, it's just so, I don't know. It's mind boggling, but it's so easy to like get tra- like sucked back into that. You know, like we're talking about this now and like we both know these things, but I'm sure you have days as well where you, you kind of get sucked back into that mindset of like oh wait should I be doing that and then you're like no like you like shake yourself out of it and you're like I'm fine like I'm doing just fine right going back to the original thing that we're talking about right like it's just so easy to feel like we have to be perfect or we have Mm -hmm. to do it all exactly Mm -hmm. you know and then the extra pressure Mm -hmm. to say like oh yeah like yeah I think we have more responsibility if we're teaching but I don't think we have more need to be doing it exactly right right perfectly just because we're teaching it like I don't think so I think part of being a good teacher is that we also are human Mm -hmm. and I don't think you can properly teach on something unless you go through it yourself you know yeah you teach differently for sure yeah for sure I did want to ask has there ever been struggle like in your career 
you know, with like the people you work with or your clients and talking about nutrition because it is it can be such a sensitive topic to so many people who have struggled with their relationship with food and has that like been something that you've had to like learn and kind of curate how you deal with that depending on the person and their relationship with food yeah I mean I think probably similar to you you know when you're talking to somebody about even acne I mean acne it's a medical condition but a lot of people see it as like a uh you know aesthetics Mm -hmm. issue and I think food is similar, right? Like mm-hmm. we see it as, oh, I have this medical thing or they don't want it to be a medical thing, but they feel like it's a behavioral thing or they feel like it's, you know, an aesthetic thing in some cases or whatever. And, or it's linked so strongly to some other issue. One of the things that I learned early on, actually I did learn this in, in college, was that nutrition for, especially for when you're talking about a relationship with food and, mm-hmm. and that aspect, not just like the nutrition therapy aspect. It's really important to get other people involved and know where your professional boundaries are. So as a dietitian, as a nutrition mindset coach, I have certain professional boundaries and I am not qualified to do things like mental health, right? Or right. family therapy. And so I refer right. out that person to also get supported by those professions so that they can more effectively address the food stuff. Absolutely. Um, And like, sometimes, you know, we have a blended scope of practice, like there's some overlap, but um, yeah, for the people who it's really, really tied together, like I see the most progress when they're also in therapy. Absolutely. And I think that's such a great thing to hear that you're like, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm qualified in and it's not everything. And I think that's maybe something a lot of you people out there on the internet need to take a note on because some of you think you're certified in everything, no matter what it is, um, and always provide your opinion, which it's great, like, provide your opinion, but I think a lot of people are just like, this is the right answer, and I know everything about all of this, and it's like... It yeah, maybe provide your opinion cuckoo. with a disclaimer, right? Yeah, it literally drives me crazy, but that's another that's another issue, but I think I can definitely relate on that, too. Like, I obviously, you know give my advice I'm not certified I guess in like telling people how to be more confident but I I just give my personal opinions and stuff I've never claimed to like you know have a I guess profession in that aspect like I'm a chemical engineer like that's what I study in school it's like has nothing to do with like confidence or kind of this uh, mental health aspect I do talk about it and I do provide my insights but when I have had people reach out to me privately and be like you know what I'm really struggling with this like I need your help I make sure I don't take on that responsibility and I do help refer them to someone else because I am just not like equipped to help someone really go past like those huge mental health hurdles I can you know talk about my experience online and hopefully it'll resonate with some people but I'm just not there to coach someone through getting over those hurdles themselves because everyone's different and um yeah I'm no no expert in that field so can't can't claim to be and I I think it's it's really great that you're like I I know my place in this you know like I can help with these things but I I won't be able to help with everything and I think that's that's great and that's why you know we each have the thing we're good at and then we can all help each other out and learn from each other I think that's that's a great thing yeah I totally agree and and you know I think it's it's helpful for me to remember that I am helping mm-hmm. by referring, right? Like that is how I help in certain yeah. situations. Like I Absolutely. provide a referral. Absolutely. So obviously, as I've mentioned a million times already, like I 
very publicly like struggle with hormonal acne i've a lot of people have asked me like how did you find out is hormonal and i'm like honestly just from like testing out as you mentioned as well like kind of testing out what your body kind of and how your body reacts to certain things and when i got off of hormonal birth control it like flared up my skin so bad and i was like that makes sense i already had a suspicion it was hormonal but now it's like in my opinion pretty confirmed and there's definitely certain like foods especially like in society that are like a big no-no for acne for example like dairy or um some people do say like go completely plant-based i'm not like i i definitely um eat meat and stuff but just some examples there or stick to like low glycemic foods or whatever what is your stance on that and do you think there is like a definite correlation between like food and acne because i know it's kind of like a gray area topic in terms of like research and like direct correlations right right so disclaimers um (laughs) this is educational not specific to you like you lobby or you listeners yeah um, you have to put the disclaimer i do have to put this disclaimer um as a healthcare provider i am not providing you with healthcare advice right now (laughs) um so this is just education and it's general yeah um if we're specifically talking about hormonal acne, well, one thing to know before I say like specific recommendations, one thing to know is that recommendations vary by provider, even if we agree on the same like way of seeing healthcare, Mm -hmm. but they also vary by like tradition that we use or the lens that we use, right? So there are, for example, like broad, broadly saying in a big bubble, I know there's a lot of variation within this bubble, but like natural health providers Mm-hmm. will most likely have a different set of, of recommendations mm-hmm. and science they're pulling from and interpretations of that science than I might have as a not quite natural health provider, right? right. I'm not totally like 100% Western medicine, but I'm yeah. not like what Somewhere most people would provide. Yeah, would call like natural health. So that said, there is some research evidence for some certain foods there's a correlation. It does not mm-hmm. mean it's a causation. Um, yes. The difference is like, if you eat this, it will cause this right. versus if you eat this, there's a chance that it may or may not cause this, or mm-hmm. it might be the other direction. Like maybe something about people who have acne is also driving, you know, eating these foods or something totally different. Like there mm-hmm. used to be a study about radios and mental health, uh, mental illness. Like if you own a radio at home, it will cause mental illness. And they were like, no, that's not how that works. It's just because <laughs> the rise of radios at home was going up at the same time, the mental health, like diagnostic criteria were being yeah. developed and like being more widely known and used. Yeah. So that was going up. Yeah. It was and, just happening in parallel, not like, overlapping. yeah, they were unrelated. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So Absolutely. causation and correlation. We got to yeah. know that. But that aside, like now, you know, all the disclaimers and stuff, <laughs> dairy, there may be some evidence, but there may not be, you don't have to cut it out completely. Most of the research is based on like three servings of dairy and this is again right looking into like what are they actually saying mm-hmm. it's different when we count dairy for hormonal acne versus mm-hmm. when we look at what is considered a dairy food um like in nutrition like general nutrition when you were talking yeah. about it because cream cheese in the research studies um for hormonal acne was actually considered a dairy food when it might not be considered like a true dairy food in like normal nutrition type of things right so there's that type of like you don't you don't need to cut cut them all out and again nutrition therapy recommendations versus intuitive eating like i recommend nutrition therapy stuff 
after people have already got the mindset down, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise, it becomes really restrictive. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the last disclaimer. So that chocolate is like hit and miss um, because it does have hormonal effects. And that's partly why dairy, same thing. Well, is it more like because of the sugar? Like, as you said, right? Like your sugar like levels rise. It depends, right? Like, because some people say that the glycemic index may be helpful. The issue with the glycemic index is then we look at individual foods, but that doesn't necessarily, that's not how we eat. We don't mm-hmm. eat a food in isolation and then, you know, yeah. in a hundred gram amount, we eat it, all, it like- all mixes up. Yeah, yeah, I'll mix it. So that changes the glycemic index. So we're actually looking at the glycemic load of the whole meal. Right. right? And then you're having like three meals a day plus whatever snacks plus whatever. Yeah. So it's more about, I wouldn't say like for me in practice, right? So there's what the research says and then there's like practice recommendations. Got it. For me, what I generally say is like, can we help maintain more stable blood sugars? Not necessarily like specific foods at specific Mm -hmm. quantities and like all these, like, can we use this science to inform a practice yeah. that is more flexible and like still more bigger allows... picture yeah okay got it interesting yeah so that that's one of the big ones meats again mixed evidence for meats it's so interesting because i have some people in my comments who are like you need to go on like a full like carnivore diet and that will cure your acne that's what worked for me and then i have another half of people telling me you know you need to go completely vegan like cut out all animal produce and i'm like so there's two sections of people telling me complete opposite things and that is just what's worked for them yeah and what else are they doing right like a lot of times we don't do these in isolation so we're making all these changes and we don't know it's the food it's just we point to the food for everything yeah you know like we were talking about right like how many are we also talking about stress is reduced just because we're trying anything yeah. Or we have hope and now that feels better. Or we're doing different skincare because a lot of times we're doing different skincare, right? At yeah. the same time, we're trying to do all these things. And, and it's complicated. It's really hard and really complicated to isolate things and be like, no, this is what. Like, it, it's hard to find that, like, that one thing that's, like, triggering, right? Your skin or your body or um, all of that. It's definitely really hard to pinpoint it. I think for myself, just over time, like, I would say I have seen, like, a bit of a correlation with dairy um again definitely in moderation if i have like a glass of milk once a month it's definitely not gonna like completely flare up my skin um but luckily enough i actually love oat milk so i just like subbed that in and then now i actually love oat milk more than regular milk so it's just not even like something i think about where i'm like oh like okay i can't eat this no it's just like i just don't need to right unless I mean I wasn't like an avid like milk drinker like in the first place or anything like that so I'm okay um but similarly like whey protein I found that once I started taking whey which also again when I started taking whey protein I was lifting heavy so it's like two different things um I know lifting heavy and like types of workouts can also impact your hormones but I started breaking out more significantly on my back than I have ever before so I did switch the whey protein to vegan protein and I did see that like that kind of went down, but I also wasn't lifting as heavy after that either. So it's like, oh, like, I don't really know. What if it was just friction acne, right? Like, like we don't actually know. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I'm kind of going to stick to that because whey protein kind of scared me when I saw my skin getting, you know, triggered like that. So it's like, you know, you find those things and sometimes you maybe gaslight yourself into thinking like, this is what, you know, I must stay away from this. But uh yeah, it's just, it's so complicated. It's all so, so complicated with pinpointing 
Um, I guess another question, like, we talked about the acne. What's your thoughts on, like, foods and, like, inflammation within, like, your body or, like, gut health, for example? Those are two separate, like, totally separate topics, inflammation and gut. I mean, they're related, but, like, yeah. you can have thoughts about inflammation and you can have thoughts about gut health. Okay, let's talk about inflammation <laughs> first and then we'll go okay. to gut health. <laughs> All right, so um, short answer. There's, like, short-term inflammation that can mm-hmm. be really essential to, like, muscle recovery and growth mm-hmm. and healing and, and things like that, right? We need that. We don't want to cut out all inflammation. Right. Um, we often hear inflammation is, like, this huge bad thing. Yeah. but Stay away from it. It's a normal, yeah. natural process that can be very helpful in our bodies. Right. Long-term chronic inflammation um, can cause a lot more problems. Uh, it, it can be caused by many problems, right? It's not just one thing. Um, and it's not just the food stress yeah. can cause it. You know, there's a lot of things, lack of sleep. It can, there are again, mixed evidence, depending on what school of thought you're coming from, there can be like incredibly diety recommendations around anti-inflammation mm-hmm. diets, right. Or like ways of eating and ways of thinking and doing and being. And then there's like the whole school, like there's nothing with inflammation at all. Okay. We have some evidence that suggests that certain ways of eating may be more helpful for inflammation reduction or like helping manage that in a way that the normal processes can continue very well. And then the like inflammation out of bounds can like kind of reduce a little bit. And what are like examples of those, like, I guess, studies that have like shown correlations or like what ways of eating, I guess. Like increase changing, I shouldn't say increasing, like changing the ratio of our omega-3s to omega-6. And this is one that's really interesting to me because omega-6 and omega-3s, both essential. Yeah. Both essential. Omega-3 is known as the anti-inflammatory one. Um, Omega-6 is has some pro-inflammatory actions or like impacts. We need them both. Right. Um, we like ideally would get them in like a one to three ratio. And so shifting, you know, some of that is like you can do that two sides, right? You can mm-hmm. increase your omega-3s or you can decrease your omega-6 if we do both. And it, again, we need them both, right? Mm-hmm. So don't cut them out all together. Yeah. Um, so we, we just like shifting things around, right? Like yeah. to be able to support our bodies a little bit better um, in terms of inflammation. And, you know, a lot of dairy gets picked on a lot and like pasta or something, like both of those are like can be fine. I think it's a lot of, blood sugar management insulin can be pro-inflammatory so managing your your blood sugar can can reduce some of the inflammation um again it won't eliminate it because we don't want to uh but it can help to make that a little more even right Right. yeah absolutely and then kind of moving on to like gut health curious your thoughts on that yeah um i'm not a gut health expert uh (laughs) knowing my boundaries right not a gut health expert. There are gut health experts who are also experts in intuitive eating. So mm-hmm. I recommend going to one of them if you're interested um, in details. But like we now know so much more and like we're researching more and more um, as a society, as a, you know, nutrition science like field um, is just a growing interest in the gut um, because it's so linked to everything else in our body. And we have like an entire little ecosystem in there. Um, all our bacteria is living in there. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of thoughts, again, depending on what school you're coming from, right? Not like university school, but like school of thought yeah. you're coming from, you will have very different 
opinions and recommendations around it. Absolutely. But like making sure that this is one of those benefits of of eating lots of fruits and vegetables, right? Because they give us a lot of nutrients, including fibers, different kinds of fibers that can be incredibly helpful for our gut health. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those places where like, oh yeah, if we get a variety or if we get more and we don't have to like aim for a certain amount, we can just say, hey, I'm going to try to put one more in like this week or in this day or in this meal or whatever, depending on where you are, right? And just work from there. And then that will help a lot. Again, stress management, right? Big impact in, in gut health. The more stressed we are, the worse our gut health tends yeah. to be. Well, and you don't want to be stressed about like, oh my gosh, I didn't put like an extra cup of fruits in my meal today. Right. You know? So it's like, that will just make things worse if you're like constantly stressing out about it, right? So it's like, it's it's the same thing I talk about like when it comes to like skincare. It's like, oh, you like, you know, picking your skin or, or hard on yourself and then you're like, shoot, like I shouldn't, you know, and then it just like creates this like domino effect of like you're stressing out about your skin, which causes your skin to get worse and then you stress out more and it just keeps going. So it's like you just have to, I think stress is like, I, honestly, I think stress is the issue of everything <laughs> at this point. Like it literally causes so many issues and I, I've seen it with myself too. Like um, I don't, I don't talk about it this much, but this year, like, well, at the start of the year, I would say I had a lot of stress going on in my life. And I noticed that I was actually looking in the mirror and noticing a lot of like random out of nowhere, like gray hairs. And I was like, what the heck? I'm 21. Why is this here? (laughs) You know, like I had a bit of a freak out. And then like, I, I actually noticed that those same hairs are now growing like at the root they're my natural color again and I'm like huh interesting you know and I'm like okay what's been like the big thing that's changed and when I realize it's like kind of my stress I don't know if that's it for sure again there could be a multitude of reasons why that happened but it was just an interesting like observation I saw like change like a physical appearance change I saw within my body where I was like oh something happened then things kind of went back to normal so yeah. yeah, it's such an impact. I mean, all the things that you've been asking about, right? Like inflammation, gut health, blood sugar management, mm-hmm. sleep, all of these things are impacted by stress. Mm-hmm. And, and like probably more that we've mentioned that I don't remember off the top of my head. So like, it's such a big deal. It is. It totally is. Well, I feel like we could keep going on forever, <laughs> but thank you, Shelly, so much for coming on Loud Talk. I guess um, before we log off here um where can my viewers find you on socials or online if they want to get in touch with you or pick your brain or maybe debate you on some of these topics we talked about right um instagram is probably my like most used social platform okay uh so i am confident nutrition travels okay over on instagram um my website is confidentnutritionnow.com mm-hmm. um and from there you can get to pretty much everything else uh I occasionally will do like a community event or something like online community event and things like that. So you're welcome to join any of those things too. Love it. Well, I'll have all those links down below if you're watching on YouTube and if you're just listening in on Apple or Spotify or whatever streaming platform you're using to tune into Loud Talk, uh, make sure to go check out the YouTube version because all the great links and resources will be right there um, where you can find Shelly or more of Loud Talk. But yeah thank you so much for coming on the podcast it was so great talking to you especially about all these topics that people aren't so loud about so it was great to you know I definitely learned a lot and it was great to kind of bounce some ideas back and forth and yeah thank you so so much for coming on
Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for listening in today to this episode of Loud Talk. Just remember to stay loud, stay confident, and just keep shining your light in this crazy world we live in. And just remember that you are your own beauty standard and you don't need to confine within um, the walls that society can kind of set out for us sometimes. So thank you everyone for listening. Remember to tell yourself something you love about your skin today. And I guess you guys will hear me in the next episode of Loud Talk. Bye, everyone.